Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Everybody good? Everybody good today? Hey, man, we're excited about I want to thank everybody that served yesterday at our Day of Hope event. We had a great event. Um, just, I was moved to tears multiple times as I walked through and saw all of you serving and, and loving others and um, just giving your best to them. And uh, you made a difference yesterday. Two kind of stories that I got yesterday, um, I was told two different occasions, a lady walked in, was standing in the line and told some of our people, this is the most friendly people I've ever met. And she said this, and she said, this is, if this is what heaven is going to feel like, it's pretty cool, you know. And, so, and, then, and then somebody else was walking. Yeah, it's great. Great news from you guys. And then somebody else was walking out, a completely different person, told somebody else. She said, you guys are the friendliest church, the friendliest people I've ever met. And so that's you guys. You made kindness matter yesterday. You did that. You did a great job. And I just want to say thank you for that. And I don't see um, Doug Boatwright in the room. Doug, are you in here? I think he's probably counting offering. But I got a text this week from Doug Boatwright. His uncle um, fell in the middle of the night and hit his head and um, bled out and then had a brain bleed, laid there for several hours, lives by himself, I guess, um, several hours, laid there, Um, finally um, got conscious, crawled to his phone, called 911. And we got a phone call from Doug, a text earlier this week saying they're really giving, if they do no surgery, they're giving him zero chance to survive. If they do surgery, they're giving him just a little better than zero chance to survive. They're going to go ahead and do surgery. And they, and they ask us as a staff to pray, and we begin to pray. And I know this is their family who's praying. And uh, so I get a text the next day and says, hey, he's in surgery right now. Uh, or he just finished surgery right now. They don't know anything, but he at least came through surgery. Um, he's unconscious right now. We'll let you know more once we find out. I get a text the next morning that says, my uncle woke up. Not only does he, is he, he's talking, he's communicating. He understands everything that happened to him. He knows what's happening. He's doing great. I got a report today. He's up walking around, will be out of ICU. He says, nothing short of a miracle. People say God doesn't move. You know what? God still moves. It's a great story. So I want to welcome you to... Week number two of a series that we're doing as a church called Can You Hear Me Now? Our key verse for this series, in this series we're talking about listening to God's voice and can you hear him? And you can check out this sermon right there on your iPhone today on Version Notes. You can check that out right there. You can follow along. You can follow along on the notes right there on the paper in front of you. But our key verse for this series is John 10, 27. And it says, My sheep recognize my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Let me start off by telling you this morning, I believe the best way to recognize God's voice is to simply read God's word and apply his word. When you spend more time in his word, I want you to capture this. When you spend more time in God's word, listen to me, you will increase your odds in hearing from God. Did you know that the Bible is full of written whispers, promises from God on the most common problems we will face in this world. 
The Bible talks to us about relationships. The Bible talks to us about money. The Bible talks to us about anxiety. The Bible talks to us about fear and so much more. Psalm 119, 105 says, His word is a lamp to our feet and it's a light to our path. Last week I read to you from Proverbs chapter 4 and I want to dig into this just a little bit more. I'm trying to use Proverbs 4 not only as just kind of some key verses for this series, but Proverbs 4 I believe is kind of a foundational chapter for this series. Let's look at verse 1 and 2. And it says, listen, friends, to some fatherly advice. Listen. Sit up and take notice so you'll know how to live. I'm giving you good counsel. I love this line right here. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Anybody ever have somebody tell you that? Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. I remember as a kid, oftentimes, my parents, they would say that. Chad, you just let it go in one ear and out the other. I'm pretty sure Tasha's told me that a time or two as well. Chad, it just went in one ear and out the other. But I wonder how many times that could be said of when God speaks to us. Because you know he's speaking. Maybe God's trying to whisper something to you or maybe he's trying to give you some instruction, some counsel, some direction, some encouragement. But oftentimes, many of us, we let it go in one ear and out the other. And what happens, I found out oftentimes, is when we let God's wisdom or his knowledge kind of go in one ear and out the other, oftentimes what I think happens is we find ourselves frustrated at God because we ended up in the wrong path. But Proverbs 19 verse 3 actually speaks to that and it says this, People ruin their own lives by their own foolishness and then they get angry at God. Any of you ever got angry at God because you made a wrong choice? And you're like, God, why'd you let me end up here? And God's like, I had nothing to do with it. Please hear me. The whole idea of this series is this. God is speaking. God is talking to us, but he's asking us to listen. God is talking. The question is, are you listening? Because when he talks, what he does is he gives us instruction. He gives us direction on how to live the life that he's calling us to live. Continuing on with Proverbs chapter 4, look at verse 10 through 12. It says this, dear friends, take my advice. What he's saying here is listen to my whispers. Listen to what I'm saying. It will add years to your life. I'm writing out clear direction to wisdom way. I'm drawing up a map to righteous road. Listen to what he says here. I don't want you ending up in blind alleys or wasting time making wrong turns. I don't know about you, but I've made enough wrong turns in my life. I've ended up in enough blind alleys to last me a lifetime. And Tasha, I'm not talking about driving or my navigation skills on foot. <laughs> Tasha, she's like, you, you can get us there by driving, but when you walk, you get turned around. I don't know what it is. But how many of you have ever made some wrong choices? Any of you ever made some wrong turns? Here's what I've discovered. I'd much rather listen to what God is saying because he is talking. And I've listened on many occasions. And I've heard him and I've followed that. But I'd much rather listen when he's talking. Why? Because I end up in the right place. I end up doing the right thing. 
I end up encouraged. I end up blessed. I live the life that he's calling me to live. And my challenge to you today is this. Listen to what God is saying. Because he's talking. And I believe the key, I believe one of the main keys to being able to hear God's voice is you got to be in his word. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 and 22 now says, Dear friend, listen well to my ears. Tune your ears to my, listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. I wonder today, what voices are you tuned into? What voices are you allowing to have authority in your life? We're going to talk about the different voices that we hear next Sunday. But continuing on, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22, it says this. Keep my message in plain view at all times. Concentrate. Learn it by heart. Those who discover these words, listen to what it says here. This is a promise from God for us. When you listen and when you put it in your heart, you live, not just live, you really live, body and soul bursting with health. Today, I want to talk with you about listening to God's voice through his written word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning and I, I sense your presence from the very moment I walked into this church. And God, I just, I just ask that you speak through me today. And Father, I ask that you give us all ears to hear and to listen. But I pray today isn't just like any other message. I pray we take it to heart. And I pray we, we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Again, as I started out this message, I told you I believe the best way to hear and to understand God's voice is to be in his word. Read his written whispers. And what I want to do today is I want to take us on a little bit of a journey through the Bible. And I want to talk with you and I want to give you some truth that is written in Scripture. Some truth that you can write on your heart concerning God's voice. I want to give you some truths that you can find in the Word. I'll say this in a moment, but let me just tell you, you're not going to hear God every day. Somebody say, well, that doesn't seem very good. I don't hear God whisper every day. But I can hear God whisper every day when I'm in his word. Because sometimes it's not in my ear or sometimes it's not in my spirit. Sometimes it's just what I read. And when I read, I hear, oh, this is what you want to do. But I, I want to give you some truth from his word because I believe the more devoted you become to his, reading his word daily. Everybody say that word with me. Say daily. I believe the more devoted you become to reading his word daily, the more time you spend in his word, listen to me, I promise you, you will hear his voice when you're in his word. So let me give you some truths. I'm going to give you five truths today from the word. Let me talk to you the first one. Let's talk about the truth about anger. Actually, let's talk about fear. We're going to talk about fear first. Let me ask you a question. Is there anyone in this room today who says, Pastor Chad, I have never been afraid? Is there anyone who's never been afraid? If so, I wanted to hang out with you. No, all of us, we experience fear at one point or another in our life. I know that I personally struggle with fear. 
I do much better. But some of the things, one, a couple of things I really struggle with is I struggle with the fear of failure. I really struggle with that fear. I really struggle with the fear of rejection. Those are kind of my two biggest fears that really kind of mess with me. Um, anytime I feel like I'm going to fail, sometimes what I do is I take a step backwards instead of forward. Another thing I'm fearful of, but we're not going to talk about that, is mice. But anyway, that's just, I just, I don't like mice. But anyway, you don't like spiders or whatever, so I just don't like mice. They're creepy and they're going to crawl up my pant leg. I don't like mice. But anyway. But did you know that the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline? God has not given us a spirit of fear, yet many Christians live in fear and timidity. We're timid. We're afraid. But Paul tells us that for the Christ follower, God has not given us a spirit of fear. It's the exact opposite. Paul says, Paul says we are not created to be fearful, but we're created to be full of love. We're created to be full of power and of self-discipline. If you struggle with fear, please hear me today. God has not given you that fear. It's not from God. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Romans 8.31 tells us, if God is for us, who can be against us? Isaiah 41.10 says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. I love how the message translation says it, though. Listen, it says, don't panic. I'm with you. And if you have your panicked, He's with you. Listen, he says, there's no need to fear for I'm your God. Get this in your heart today. What I'm doing is I'm giving you some truth to put on your heart. The next time you're afraid, the next time you feel fear, don't say, God, please whisper to me. He's already whispered. He says, I've not given you this spirit. Sometimes we're waiting for God to talk to us when he already has. He's already spoken on the subject of fear. He hasn't given it to you. There's no need to fear, for I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. But I love this. It says, I'll hold you steady. I will keep a firm grip on you. God has not given us a spirit of fear. If you find yourself frequently operating in fear and negativity and timidity and you're fearful, stop and remember these promises and remember these truths and put them in your heart. I want you to write these things down for those of you that are fearful. I want you to write this down. God has not given me a spirit of fear. But God has given me a spirit of power. I want you to write this down. God is for me. You don't have to be afraid. God is for you. I want you to write this down. God has a firm grip on me. Any of you ever been on a mountain or anything like that with your kids and you get a little fearful and you hold your hand tight? Listen, in those places, I've got a firm grip on my kids. They're not going anywhere. Imagine the firm grip that God has on you. In this life, he's not going to let you go. So why are you afraid? He has a firm grip on you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Bible tells us you are more than a conqueror. Why are you afraid? Giving you some truth. Truth number one, you don't have to walk in fear. Truth number two, I want to talk to you about the truth about who you are in Christ. 
Ephesians 1, 11 and 12 says, It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, listen, he had his eye on us. Aren't you thankful that God has had his eye on you since before time began? He's had designs on you for glorious living. It's a part of his overall purpose. He is working out in everything and in everyone. Listen to me, one of the most powerful revelations you can get from the word of God. When you read this book, one of the most powerful revelations you can get in this book is who you are in Christ. This book right here, it tells you who you are in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.11 says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Where do I see that? In the Bible? It's in him that I find out who I am, what I'm made for, and what I'm living for. Let me ask you today, do you know who you are in Christ? If I was a betting man, I'd have to say probably quite a few of us in this room don't know who we are in Christ. And I believe as a result, many of us find ourselves living below the rights and privileges of a child of God. I believe the reason many of us aren't seeing God do the things he wants to do in our life, I believe the reason many of us don't find find freedom in Christ is because we don't know who we are in Christ. And so we just take it. Whatever the enemy throws at us, whatever life throws at us, we just take it and say, well, it is what it is. No. Who are you in Christ? When we're in the Word, we find out who we are in Christ. But when we're not in the Word, we're going to struggle with our identity. We're going to struggle knowing who I am, what I'm created for. We're going to struggle to know the plans that God has for us. So what does the Bible say about who we are in Christ? Let me just give you, just, let me give you like seven or eight things of who the Bible says we are in Christ. Can I do that? We are new creatures. That's what the Bible says. We're a new creation. When you've said yes to Jesus, you're a brand new creation. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. That's who you are in Christ. In Christ, we are the righteousness of God. Think about that. Let me tell you what else you will have or you are in Christ. In Christ, you are healed. If you're walking in sickness today, listen to me. The Bible says you're healed. You know that another thing you are in Christ is you're accepted. Another thing you are in Christ is you are forgiven. Another thing you are in Christ is you are his masterpiece. Another thing that you are in Christ is the Bible says you are a chosen people. He picked you. Another thing you are is you're his son. You're his daughter. You're royalty. The Bible says that you're blessed. The Bible says you're the head and not the tail. The Bible says you're above and not beneath. The enemy comes, he lies to you, and he tells you you're a nobody. You have to be afraid. You have to be rejected. All these things. No, you need to stop and say, no, I am the masterpiece of God. You need to begin to tell the enemy. When he says you're a nobody, when he says you have no significance, when he says you'll never make a difference, I want to challenge you. Stop listening to that voice. Reject that lie and remember these truths. Even if you say, man, I forgot what, the, what scripture it's in, just say, no, I remember Pastor Chad told me I'm his masterpiece. That's in Ephesians. When the doctor says you have cancer and it can't be cured, when the doctor looks at you and says, hey, tells the family, hey, your uncle fell down, there's zero chance for him to be healed. 
just above zero if we do surgery, and today he's walking around. Just remember that God says you are healed. You are healed. Who are you in Christ? Remember that. Let me give you another truth. Let's talk about it. I wanted to get there from the beginning. We don't talk about this one much in church. Let's talk about the truth about anger. How many Toy Story people in the room? Anybody like the movie Toy Story? They've they've now got, I think, out Toy Story 97. And um, Andy, the little boy that started out, I'm pretty sure he's about 110 now, still playing with toys. But anyway, no, we've got Toy Story. Well, there's Toy Story 2, and there's one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when Miss Potato Head looks at Mr. Potato Head, and she says, I packed you an extra pair of shoes and your angry eyes just in case. Have you ever had some angry eyes? Well, it's anger. It's something we deal with in in our lives. But what does the Bible actually say about anger? Is it okay to be angry? Well, I'm angry when I'm right. You know, I'm righteously angry. Well, how, how rarely are you angry at things that aren't of God, you know? When you're angry and yelling at your spouse, when you're angry and yelling at your kids, and Lord, help me with this, but when you're angry and you're yelling at the slow driver in front of you, is that that like righteous anger? What's the Bible say about anger? James 1.20 says this, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Did you hear that? Man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. See, when we give in to anger, what we're doing oftentimes is not the anger. We're not being righteously angry. When we give in to anger, oftentimes what we're doing is we're focusing on our own self. Our own needs, our own desires, our own wants, our own wishes. Somebody failed me. Now I'm angry at you. But Philippians 2, 3 says this, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Let me give you a few more verses about what the Bible says about anger. Some of you are angry that I'm talking about anger. But anyway, <laughs> you need to, if you're angry at me right now for talking about anger, you need to hear this, all right? Can't believe he's saying this. Can you believe this? Yes. Psalm 38. Listen to what it says here. I find this verse very interesting. It says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. And this is what it says. Do not fret, it only leads to evil. I find it very interesting, and this is something I really want to dig into a little bit. Why does God deal with anger and worry in the same verse? Just something to think about. Maybe you'll get that revelation. Proverbs 23, it says, It's a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. Hello, are you hearing me? We we getting this message? Proverbs 29.8 says, Mockers stir up a city, but wise men turn away from anger. Proverbs 27.15, some of you are going to get mad at this verse, but hold on, I'll get there for the men too. A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. I'm not looking over there, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything to you. Colossians 3.19, though, says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. What's that mean? Do not be angry. But how many know we're humans? Right? We're humans. So guess what? We're going to get angry. I I, I wish I'd never got angry at my spouse. I wish I never would get angry at my kids. I I wish I just was always like, God bless you. But guess what? I get angry. 
So what, is the, what does the Bible say to that? Well, look at what Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says. If you are angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. If you are angry, don't sin by nursing your grudge. Listen to what it says here. Don't let the sun go down with you still angry. So you know what my approach has always been? There's just been some nights I just didn't go to bed. But anyway, it's just like... Just, we're just not going to go to bed because anyway, I'm going to stay angry till tomorrow. No, listen to what it says. Get over it quickly. Listen to me today. Some of you have been nursing a grudge for 20 years. I want you to hear me right now. Some of you have been nursing a grudge against a family member, a friend, a business partner, somebody for 20 years. And you're wondering, why am I not finding freedom in Christ? Why are my relationships struggling? Why do I struggle with God? Why do I struggle with others? I believe verse 27 answers that. So listen, when you are angry, you give a foothold to the devil. The Bible tells us, listen to me, if we nurse anger, here's the deal. I'm not telling you never experience anger. You're humans, you're going to experience it. But the problem begins to be when we nurse it. The problem begins when we begin to stew on it. Begin to tend to it. If you hold it inside, if you bottle it up, what the Bible says is you give the devil a foothold. And when you give the devil a foothold, what you're doing is you're giving him an opportunity to divide. That's his goal. He wants to divide. He wants to put you in chains. What Paul is saying here is, hey, if you get angry, and you are going to get angry, what Paul's saying is deal with it quickly. Don't just, don't just hold on to it. Don't let it control you. And Paul's saying, deal with it in such a way that it builds relationships rather than destroys relationships. Just trying to give you some truth this morning from the Word of God. Fourth truth I want to give you right after I want to talk about anger, I want to talk about peace. As Jesus wraps up his earthly ministry and he's ascending into heaven, he looks at his disciples and he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, probably one of my favorite verses talking about peace says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Then you will experience God's peace. Do you see the key to experiencing peace? Put it in God's hands. Pray about it. Don't nurse the grudge. Don't nurse the anger. Go to God. It says, and then His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When you're feeling anxious, when you feel like your world is caving in around you, when you feel like life is going too fast, when you feel like you can't catch up, when it's Christmas is quickly approaching and you haven't bought one gift and you're feeling all stressed and fragile, stop and pray. I love how the Living Bible says, Philippians 4, 7, listen, it says, if you do this, what's it saying if you do? If you pray instead of worry, if you give it to God. Listen, if some, somebody needs to hear this today. If you'll do this, what's he saying? Let's read it. If you do this, what's he saying? Spend time with God, pray, stop, slow down. What's it say? You will, ex- you will experience what? God's what? So when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling nervous, when I'm feeling uneasy, when I'm feeling stressed, when I'm feeling angry, if I will stop, let's bring it back up, if I will stop, we got it? There it is. If we stop, we will experience God's peace, which is, listen to what this says though, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. But I love the end. It says, his peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest. Anybody need some rest? When you go to him with your anxieties, with your fears. But see, a lot of us, we don't know to do this because we aren't in the word. 
So we wonder, why am I not feeling peaceful? I'm not in the Word to know this truth. This is the truth from God. If I will go to God with my worries, if I will go to God with my anxieties, my fears, whatever it might be, I will experience God's peace. And what is his peace? His peace keeps your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Jesus. Just giving you some truth today about peace. Anybody need that? His peace. And the fifth one I want to give you today as I begin to wrap up. Let me give you some truth about salvation. I think every child of God should have a kind of a truth scripture concerning your salvation. Something you lean into when you're struggling with your salvation, with your, when you're wrestling with it. I'm not a debate kind of guy. I've got a, a pastor friend who started a um, dialogue on Facebook and has some people kind of arguing back and forth. I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I'm not a part of that. You're not going to find me debating scripture I believe it. I don't need you to try to debunk it for me, you know? But I think some, I think some of us, we need a, a scripture that we can lean into concerning our salvation. And maybe one you could lean into would be Titus 3, 5 that says, He saved us. Who saved you? He did. Listen, not because of the righteous things you have done. Listen, you didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You didn't say enough prayers. You didn't read the Bible enough. You didn't give enough in this offering. If you feel like you didn't, you can give again. But anyway, you didn't give enough. You didn't do enough things. Why? We were saved because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. This verse reminds us he did it. You didn't do it. Our sins have been washed clean because of him. Let me give you a few more scriptures about salvation. John 1, 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to be called the children of God. When you said yes to Jesus, you became his child. Romans 10, 13 says, everyone. Say a word with me. Say everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called on his name? Have you called on his name? Yes. That was Bob right there. If you've called on the name of the Lord, write these voice, verses on your heart so that God's voice will ring true in your heart. If you haven't said yes, I'm going to give you a chance in just a moment, but I want to, I want to give you a few more verses concerning salvation. When I'm, when I'm talking about salvation, I think one of the greatest things we struggle with as believers is this thing called condemnation. Well, the Bible says in Romans 8, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those of you who struggle with condemnation, for those of you who feel condemned, for those of you who wrestle on a daily basis concerning your salvation, you think you're not good enough, you think you wonder, you've messed up too many times, you wrestle with your salvation, you wonder, am I saved or not? Let me tell you, there's a verse for you that says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you as a kid, you ever did something really foolish? Anybody ever do something really foolish as a kid? Some of you husbands, I look at you and say, you've done some things foolish as a husband. But anyway, that's a different subject for today. But some of us, we've done some foolish things as a kid. And I remember as a kid, I was thinking about this this week, and some times when, you know, as a kid, I just knew that I deserved major punishment. 
and you just knew that your parents were going to just kind of just tear you up one side and down the other and kind of berate you and tell you how much you failed and tell you maybe how bad you were. But you ever have one of those moments where you just knew that they were going to just destroy you, but yet they sat down and they just loved on you? They showed you mercy and they said, yeah, you made a mistake and there's consequences for our mistakes but they loved you they didn't belittle you they didn't condemn you they give you a fresh start well that's how Jesus approaches you when you make mistakes hey if you've said yes to Jesus and you've asked Jesus into your heart listen to me you don't have to ask him every day to save you you're saved you just have to walk out that salvation How many of you in this room have ever made a mistake? Have you ever sinned? Have you ever asked God to forgive you of that sin? And then even after He forgave you, you still wrestle with guilt and shame over that sin? This verse is for you. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Enough beating yourself up. Let me give you one more truth and then we're going to pray. Isaiah 1.18 says this. Let's settle the matter. You were stained red with sin, but I will wash you as clean as snow. Although your sins are deep red, you'll be white as wool. If you've said yes to Jesus, He's forgiven every sin you've ever committed. What's that mean? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're forgiven. And I've just given you just a few whispers from Scripture today. We've barely scratched the surface on all the things that the Bible tells us, all the truths. But Colossians 3.16 says, let the Word of God dwell within you richly. I love how the message says it. It says, let the Word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. God desires for His Word to be at home in your heart. And listen to me today. God has provided you and me with a lifetime of whispers. You know, if he never whispered to your heart again, if he never whispered to your spirit again, if he never spoke audibly to you, he's talked to you already enough. There's enough promises in this book to get you through a lifetime. If you struggle to hear God's voice, here's the key. Are you reading it? Are you hiding it in your heart? I've got some homework for you today as I get ready to pray. I want to challenge every single DCer for the next 21 days, starting today, for three weeks. We've done, we've done prayer and fasting in the church before, but I want to challenge everyone today. Would you join me in the next 21 days? Would you make sure to read your Bible daily? It's a simple challenge. You say, Pastor, I don't even know what to read. Well, go to you version. There's all kinds of plans on there. There's 21-day plans. Just grab you a 21-day plan and read it. Just get in the Word and see at the end of this 21 days if your life hasn't changed. See if God hasn't whispered to you some more. Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.